If you got a Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, we're beginning a new series this morning uh, called Cradle to Crown. Cradle to Crown, where we are focusing on uh, really the real reason for the season. I know you've heard that cliche statement before, probably seen it on a you know, a, a billboard sign here and there every once in a while. But uh, uh, the reason has not changed, um, nor will it ever change. The real reason for the season, and that is Jesus. That's Jesus. I love this Christmas. I love Christmas season in large. You know, I love uh, the season of Christmas for a variety of different uh, reasons, right? But for us in here, my hope and prayer is that we would understand the true reason for it. True reason for the season. Kids in here, right, and adults too, and we need to be reminded, hey, Christmas, although it's great to receive gifts, right, uh, Christmas is not just about the gifts that are under uh, the tree, that are going to be under your tree in a couple of weeks. Rather, Christmas is about the greatest gift that hung on a tree called Calvary a little over 2,000 years ago. Here it is. Hey, Christmas, right, is not just about... uh, Santa Claus, right, and, you know, saying what's up to him, celebrating him, no no disrespect to Santa Claus and those who portrayed Santa, you know, shout out to Tim Allen, those all those Santa Claus movies. It's not just about, right, Santa Claus and his sleigh. Hey, Christmas is about the Son of God who came to save. Hello. Hello. Here's one more. Maybe you'll like this one. You know, it's a little humorous. I was thinking about this, Miss Kelly, as I was, you know, prepping in the intro. Hey. Talking about Santa Claus, hey, Christmas is not about, right, seeing Santa Claus, right, and celebrating him saying, ho, 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 Merry Christmas, right? Hey, Christmas is about, man, Jesus Christ, the one who came to bring, here it is, Brother Dwayne, hope, 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 hey, in his name, in his name, the one that came and died on a cross so that we could have life in him. That is what Christmas is all about, and over these next few weeks, we are going to, man, lift up. That name above every name, uh, that name, Jesus, Jesus. And so if you got a Bible, Isaiah chapter nine, Isaiah chapter nine, you may be saying, Pastor Irv, man, hey, Isaiah, is that really a, uh, uh, you know, a traditional uh, uh, book that you go through during the Christmas season? The answer is no, it's not. Uh, man, the Lord led us to kind of change things up a little bit. But what's interesting is Isaiah, this prophet of the Lord, Right, prophesied about this coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, a little over 700 years before, right, he came and lived and dwelt on this earth. And so over these next few weeks, we're going to be walking through these messianic prophecies from Isaiah, man, that highlight uh, the Savior of the world, that highlight the true meaning of the season. And we're starting in uh, Isaiah 9 today. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Uh, together. And so if you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. Isaiah, uh, it's interestingly enough, Isaiah is is a book that has a lot of gloom and doom in it. Isaiah basically was called of God to come and share about, man, the destruction that was coming to the people of Israel because, right, they're being disobedient. They weren't following the Lord. But it's interesting, the pattern that we see throughout uh, the book of Isaiah. Right, uh, one chapter talks about gloom and doom. The next chapter, man, there speaks of hope. Chapter one is about gloom and doom. Chapter two is about hope. Chapter three through five, you know, is about gloom and doom. And then Isaiah six comes, man, where Isaiah sees the Lord, man. And he prophesies. It says, hey, man, send me, Lord, I'll go. 
Chapter 8, if you look there, man, it speaks of gloom and doom and how, man, these enemy armies are going to come and take over Israel. And then we see chapter 9, this picture of hope. And so starting in verse 1, this is what the word of the Lord says. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. It's interesting, these two tribes, right, of Israel, we know throughout uh, were the two leading tribes for Gentile peoples. And so, man, there's a lot of significance there, how... Man, Jesus, in the end of the day, came, man, to, to save both Jew and Gentile. And it's interesting how Isaiah prophesies how about these two places. Verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah here is prophesying of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now he's going to be born in a manger almost 700 years, right, before it actually happened. Uh, we see, right, his, uh, this prophecy speaks to, man, Jesus is coming, right, during that uh, time, a little over 2,000 years ago. But we also see some eschatological uh, uh, prophecy here as well and how one day he's coming again. You know, Jesus didn't, it, it, it didn't just come once. He's going to come again. He's going to come again one day. And so we see some eschatological uh, prophecy here as well. But ultimately what we see for us in here, an encouragement today, is this simple truth. Hey, because of Christmas, we can walk in hope in a hopeless place. Hey, because of Christmas and what Christmas is all about, we as believers, hey, can walk in hope in a hopeless place. And that's what I've entitled the message today, Hope in a Hopeless Place. Why don't you pray for me and then we'll dive into uh, the sermon together. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for who you are, Lord, and your Love for us, God. God, help us in here to see, Lord, that the best is yet to come. Those of us who are in Christ, this Christmas season can be more than just one that 
we may deem as stressful because of all the stuff on our plate we've got to do. Remind us, Lord, that in you, man, because of this Christmas season, you coming, man, to dwell among us, Lord, man, we can walk in hope in a hopeless place. God, we ask and pray that you speak to us now. Have your way. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hope in a hopeless place. Hope in a hopeless place. I want to highlight three reasons, right, that we can walk in hope, even though we're in a hopeless place, that we see right here in Isaiah chapter 9. I want to walk through them uh, real quick this morning. Number one, the first reason why that we, we can walk in hope, even though, man, we are living in a hopeless place, is because of this. Hey, light at the end of the day, light will conquer darkness. Light will conquer Darkness. Man, that's what he says here. Uh, Isaiah prophesied about uh, the coming Messiah. Verse two, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them, light has shown right in this context. We see here, man, this coming king, Jesus will shine light on darkness, man. And those men who were once walking in darkness will now see, man, his great light. Hallelujah. Those of us who are in Christ, man, hey, we have seen his Light. We no longer have to walk in darkness, man. But now, man, hey, we are light now. We're light because we've seen his light and we've come to believe in him. And by the way, one day, here's the eschatological point of it. One day, hey, light will forever, man, conquer darkness when he comes again, man, to reign and rule, man, on this earth. He will defeat Satan once and for all, man, and will conquer darkness once and for all, man. Light will conquer darkness. I remember growing up. Uh, back home, man, I had, you know, grew up with two little sisters and man, loved them to death because, you know, part of the, re- for several reasons. One of the reasons why was because, man, they were a lot braver than me whenever it came to certain, uh, things that took place in the house. You know, there'd be times, you know, because we didn't take trash out or something like that, that I'd walk around and all of a sudden I hear a little scurry going on right there in the living room. I'm like, hey, wh- yo, what is that? What is that? Come to find out, man, it's one of them big old roaches, brother. One of the big old roaches just chilling over there in the dark, man, just hanging out. And so, you know, older brother, I should just, you know, go and kill it myself. But I just, hey, Ashley, hey, man, hey, I need your help for a second. You might come and help me out. True story. I'd come and have her, man. Hey, go ahead and take care of it. Take care of it. But here's the thing. I'd be too afraid, man, to cut on the light because I didn't want to see what it looked like. But as I got older, I learned, man, hey. Man, roaches, they hate the light. Man, you cut that light on, they'll scurry away. Scurry away. And the light would over, hey, would essentially, you know, quote, unquote, overpower them. They, they'd run away. Now I tell my sister to go find it and kill it, but they'd run away. Hey, Jesus, man, hey, he has conquered darkness. Those of us in here, you know, in here, man, before we knew Christ, man, we were dead in sin, man, in darkness. And he conquered darkness on the cross, and he's going to conquer darkness once and for all. And for that reason, hey, we can walk in hope today. Hope. Hey, in the Word, it talks about light. Um, you know, throughout all of the Word of God, right, the, uh, the Lord is synonymous uh, with light. Uh, we see it all throughout. Obviously, right, Jesus, number one, we see that he is known as the light of the world, John 8, uh, 12. He tells himself that he's the light of the world. Man, he, he declares himself to be the light of the world. And so those of us who are in him, as I mentioned, right, if we know him, man, we have seen light and we can walk in that light uh, today. And by the way, 
right? Those of you, man, who are struggling in a hopeless place, man, hey, the call for you because Jesus is light is to look up to the light. Look up to the light and walk in that light. You're in a darkness season, man, look to the sun. Look to the sun. See, Jesus is known as the light of the world. We see that, that God is known as light. First John 1, 5 through 7, on, on the a screen there, it says this, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all. If we're in Christ, like I mentioned, man, hey, we're in the light. So the call for us is to walk in that light. But a final call that we see here pertaining to uh, light is that, man, because Jesus is light, because we know, hey, God, the Father is light, and we've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're called now to be light. Did you know that? Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says that. It says this. Jesus preached in this sermon, Sermon on the Mount, says this. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do People light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, hey, listen, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Just as light has been shown to us, hey, friends, we're called to be carriers of that same light to those in here that are currently walking in darkness. Let your light shine before Hey, the good news today, this Christmas is, man, light will conquer darkness one day. And so, man, we can rejoice as a result. Hey, those of you who are struggling in darkness today, that darkness may be addiction in your life. Hey, look to Jesus. He has power to be able to conquer. Hey, hey, those of you, man, struggling through a difficult season of life right now. Hey, listen, hey, look to Jesus, man. Light has the ability to conquer darkness. Those you, hey, here it is. Those of you trying to figure out a decision, man, trying to figure out what to do, hey, need to need to be enlightened on what to do. Hey, look to Jesus, and He'll give you direction. Man, we can have hope in a hopeless place because light has come. Light will conquer darkness. That's first truth we see here. Second truth, right? Reason why we can walk in hope in a hopeless place is because joy will one day conquer sadness. Joy will one day conquer sadness. Look back at the text. Make sure you know, make sure they know, Brother Dwayne, I'm not making it up. Look what it says. It says this, talking about this prophecy. Hey, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, for every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. One day, hey, joy will overcome sadness once and for all. I know, man, it seems like it's a gloomy time, but hey, in Jesus, man, we have joy. And so this Christmas, hey, the reason why we can walk in hope in a hopeless place is because, man, joy has come. Joy has come, and we can walk in that joy. What does Isaiah speak to whenever he's talking about this joy here, folks being joyful? Well, he says in verse 3, number 1, this, hey, joy in the harvest. Joy in the harvest. The, the context here, right, is speaking to 
you know, this joy that the people are going to experience as a result of something taking place in their life. In this context, speaking too, right, to uh, harvest season. A lot of uh, theologians believe it comes from the old uh, Israel uh, celebration known as the Feast of Weeks, where for seven straight weeks, right, they would dedicate time to celebrate all that God had provided for them. The provision that God brought would celebrate, you know, how God, man, provided a way for them out of Egypt whenever they were in slavery. And they would celebrate that by obviously worshiping him, but also giving right of their first fruit, the first fruits offering man, giving their best to God. Seven full weeks of them, man, celebrating all that God has done, man, because the provision that he has brought them. Hello, let me bring it to today. Hey, listen. There's joy in the harvest for those of us in here who know Jesus because, man, he has provided so much for us. Man, hey, throw out, you know, we could speak to all the, you know, uh, uh, physical provision that, provision that he's given us. But, man, you know, that aside, what about the spiritual provision that he's brought you? Namely himself, as we talked about here. But also, man, those times where, hey, hey, you were that person walking in a weary place. And he came, yeah, he showed up right on time. And he met you where you were. Hey, a place where you've been asking God for something for a while. And he met that need in your life. Man, so much provision that he's given us, man. And we, we ought to walk in joy as a result of that. Because of what has already come in Christ, as well as what is coming in him, we can walk in true joy. Hey, friends, remember his goodness. Joy in the harvest here. Remember his goodness. Man, because Jesus came, man. And he's provided us with so much good in his name. And so never forget. Never forget. Joy in the harvest. First part there. That's why we celebrate. But secondly, hey, we celebrate, right? Because, man, there is jubilation from the victory. Jubilation from the victory, verses 4 and 5, man, it speaks to uh, that, man. Look at the language that's used there, man. The yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulder, man, you've broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for uh, the fire, right? Uh, speaks to total annihilation, verse 5. And one day there be in peace forever on this earth. There aren't going to be any more wars, When Jesus comes again, man, after that final victory. But for us in here who know Christ, man, we could speak to the jubilation from the victory. He uses this picture, right, of the battle of the day of Midian. You remember that story, right, in Judges chapter 6, 6 and 7, right, of uh, 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 Gideon, right, whenever God says, hey, I want you to take an army, man, and go and fight these people in Midian. All right, you know, so he has an army. But the army was too big. So God said, hey, you need to to cut out some. Comes again, hey, army was still too big. All right, hey, you need to cut out some more. And he cut it down all the way to 300 people. They show up at meeting with 300 people versus, I mean, tens of thousands of folks. I'm not very good at math, but I know, hey, hey, that, that, they had a lot less than what the other people had. And here's what it said, Brother Ryan. Hey, it said that they got there and the terror of the Lord showed up and confused the people of Midian. And, hey, they ended up turning against themselves. And Gideon and his army, they won without even having to lay a finger on those people. Here, let let me put it this way. Hey, they found themselves in a place where they were overmatched. 
but God. Hey, but God, he showed up, showed up. And in the same way, hey, listen, Bible says, man, we were far away from God, far away from him. No hope. Romans 5 tells us we were enemies of him. No hope. But God. He made a way when there was no way, man, because of his loving kindness man, sent his son, Jesus. Man, to die for us. And the Bible says now we have victory in his name. Those of us who believe in him, he defeated the power of sin, death and the grave. Man. He took on our sin and he died for our sins once and for all, as Hebrews says, so that we could have life in him. Hey, listen, in Christ, we have victory over sin, death and the grave. First Corinthians 15 tells us that. 1557. Man, when Jesus rose from the grave, man, he defeated the power of sin, death, and the grave. And those of us who know him, man, we have victory. Man, over sin. Meaning this, hey, you can say no to the temptations that come upon in your life. Hey, you you can, even though you might be walking in, in a sin struggle, hey, you can turn away from it and walk in Jesus now. Sin no longer has power over you. Victory over death. Hey, we're, we're, we are going to die. We still have this old flesh, man. But hey, we're going to be with him forever. Eternity. Man, we have victory over sin, death, and the grave. And then, man, hey, this victory also speaks to the vital victory that's coming. Revelation 19, man. Hey, when Jesus comes back, the Bible says he's coming back, right? He's going to be riding on a white horse. Going to have written, right, to a couple different places. Some folks think he's going to come back tatted up. I don't know. I can't tell you that. But he's going to have, you know, on his thigh there, man. King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's going to, hey, he's going to annihilate Satan once and for all. Final victory in him. Hey, we can walk in hope in this Christmas season because of the victory that we have in Jesus, man. Victory. Victory. I'll end with this and then move to my last point, man. Hey, you know, uh, as y'all know, I... 85% of my illustrations are, you know, sports related. So, you know, I'm into sports, love sports, you know, but I've been, you know, it's been tragic, uh, Brother Jim. It's been tragic, you know, that I've rooted for teams, man, that uh, uh, historically have been losers, at least in my lifetime. Dallas Cowboys, man, in my lifetime, losers. You know, uh, my college team, Oklahoma Sooners football, man, they get so close, but at the end of the day, losers. You know, second place, you know, that's first loser. I think a movie said something about that. Losers. You know, World Cup, man. Hey, you know, of course, rooting for the red, white, and blue. Man, love them to death. They gave a valiant effort, but losers, you know. Not in World Wars, though. Hey, do it. Hey, undefeated. Anyway. But, hey, I'm on a team that's undefeated. Hey, I'm on a team that has never lost and will never lose. And that team is the kingdom of God. And hey, and those of you who know Christ, hey, amen, amen. Hey, and those of you who know Christ, hey, we are victorious in him as well. And so the call for us is to walk in that victory this Christmas season. Like that old hymn, hey, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Man, he sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved the air I knew him, hey. And all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Victory in 
him. And then thirdly and lastly, right, the reason why we can have hope in this season is because at the end of the day, hey, Jesus Christ will conquer wickedness. Jesus Christ will conquer wickedness, right? Uh, Isaiah, really verses 1 through 5, right, speaks to what is going to happen, right, and highlights, you know, I mean, you can read in there about uh, the coming one that is going to do it, and then he speaks of that coming one is going to do it in verses 6 through 7, that being uh, Christ says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Isaiah gives this prophetic word about a king who is coming, who is greater in the context of Isaiah, man, the people of Israel, man, that had some bad kings, wicked kings, wicked. One of the most wicked ones, man, you know, his, his time had just ended not too long before this, man, King Ahab. Real good king was there, right, that Isaiah was cool with. Talks about it in Isaiah 6. He just recently passed. Folks are worried, frantic. But Isaiah says, hey, there's a king that's coming that's greater. All those kings. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. Jesus Christ will one day conquer wickedness. Conquer wickedness. We see here, right, that Jesus Christ, man, he is a conqueror. And in his name. In his name. He's a conqueror in his name. Verse 6 speaks to, man, who Jesus is. The names that are there. Man, there's just something about that name. King Jesus. There's something about that name. And by the way, by his name, hey, we are more than conquerors as well. Conquerors in his name. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? What, what do you mean by that? It's not by accident Isaiah put man, these names to describe Jesus, how he did here. Right? We are <clears throat> conquerors in his name, man. Hey, did you know that in his name, man, there is healing there. In his name, there is wisdom. Hey, wonderful counselor. His name, there's wisdom. Hey, did you know that in his name, there is power. Mighty God. Mighty God. Hey, in his name, man, there is grace and love. When he's talked about as an everlasting father. His name. There's power in the name. Hey, there's peace in his name, man. A prince of peace. Prince of peace. Can I keep going? Hey, there's provision in his name. Man, there's hope in his name. Salvation in his name. And the name above every name, Jesus. Jesus. Conquerors in his name. Man. And there's victory there. Man, he's a conqueror by his name. And by the way, hey, it's by his name, man, that we're able to walk in this victory, as I just described earlier. It's in his name. Conquerors by his name. Romans eight thirty seven. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. We can have hope in a hopeless place because we believed in the name of Jesus. It's only in that name. And then secondly and lastly, hey, man, Jesus, he's a conqueror by his position. Verse 7 speaks to 
that man of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it man hey this Jesus man he's king of all kings right and lord of all lords man and his kingdom's never going to end man all the kings throughout history hey they might have had long reigns but hey their kingdom ended at some point all the kingdoms of this earth that we've seen hey they ended at some point but not the kingdom of Jesus man King of Jesus. King of King and Lord of Lords, man. And he's a conqueror because of his position as King of Kings. Here's the question today, though. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but is he your king? Us choosing to make him king or not, man, that, that doesn't change the reality that, that he is king, always will be king. He rules and reigns. But the call for us is to make him king of our heart. Make him king of our heart. Does he rule your life? My life. And if he doesn't, man, man, we choose to make him king of our heart. Here's the reality, man. Hey, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 tells us this. One day, man, every knee is going to bow and confess that he's Lord. He's king. But the question is, hey, you're going to bow to him, man, as king of your heart? Or are you going to bow to him as, man, judge who's one day going to send you away from him. Man, let's choose to make him king of our heart. Today, man, hey, we can walk in hope. Man, because Jesus the conqueror is on our side. He's on our side. And that's what Christmas is all about. So real quick, just a couple of takeaways and then we'll be done today. First takeaway in here is this. As a result of Jesus being who he is, if we want to walk in hope in a hopeless place, man, we've got to choose to make Jesus the king of our heart. As I've said before, we're talking to two types of folks, folks that know Jesus and folks that don't. Hey, you can know Jesus and him at this point in time not be the king of your heart. You know, he could just be a, you know, a good buddy, someone that, you know, you, you frequent every now and then. You may get some wisdom from him every now and then, but. The reality is, man, the, the call is, hey, Jesus is first priority in who we seek. He's first priority in our, in, you know, how we make decisions, how we, he, he's the one that leads our lives. And so the call for us is to make him king. Is he king of your heart? If not, man, make him king today. Make him king today. Secondly is this, hey, just a good encouragement, good reminder for us in here. Hey, remember that in Christ, hey, you are a part of his kingdom. In Christ, you're a part of his kingdom. Doesn't matter, if, man, if you've been saved two weeks, man, or, tw- or 27 years. It doesn't matter if you have a real checkered past or your, you know, past is, is as squeaky as possible. In Christ, you are a part of his kingdom. And what that means is, hey, we're more than conquerors in him, as I read earlier. And so walk in that victory. Walk in the victory that we have in Jesus, man. The struggles in your life. Man, I get it. It's real. We're in this old flesh and blood. But hey, in Christ, man, we could say no and walk in victory. This Christmas season, man, hey, don't walk in defeat, man. We have, hey, we have a reason to pray, celebrate, man, walk in victory. And by the way, I'll throw this in free of charge. Hey, that walking in victory is not circumstantial. It, it, it's not based on whether your circumstances are good or, or bad, man. You can walk in it in every season of life. So choose to walk in victory, man. But also means we're co-heirs with, him, with Christ. Galatians 4 tells us that, man. Since we're a part of his kingdom, we're co-heirs 
with him. And so one day, man, hey, we got this inheritance coming. Man, that, that's going to be amazing. We're going to be able to spend forever with him one day. I can't, I can't wait to get to heaven, Brother Chris. I think I've said it before. I was talking to somebody the other day. Hey, maybe whenever I get up to glory, I'll be 6'4". There. I'll be tall. You know, in my head, I'm that. But maybe once I get up to glory, man, hey, be able to dunk on some folks in heaven if we play pickup, you know. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, we're going to probably spend a lot of time worshiping Jesus. But, but all that being said, hey, listen, man, we're co-heirs with him. And so, man, because of that, hey, man, be encouraged. Be encouraged. We're son and daughter of the king, man. Remember, you're a part of his kingdom. And then thirdly and lastly, this Christmas season, hey, let me encourage you to speak to the truth of Jesus is coming. Hey, just as light was, the light was shown to you, man, the call for us is to be light and show it to others. There's plenty of people, man, that are walking in darkness right now. Man, that are wandering through stores, man, thinking that, man, buying these gifts are the end all and be, you know, be all to Christmas. Again, man, gifts aren't a bad thing, but that, that's not what Christmas is all about. There's folks, man, that are going around searching, man, to find the meaning of the season. And those of us in Christ, we've got it. We've got it. And so the call for us is to share that with others, man. Speak the truth of Jesus is coming. And have a conversation, man, about Christ. You may say, Pastor Herb, I'm, I'm not a preacher, you know. I, 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 I get it. But man, if you're in Christ, you've got a story, man. As the psalmist says, man, hey, encourage, hey, come, man, tell somebody, hey, come and listen, man, what God has done for my soul. Share that. You can share your story, your testimony. Start there. And watch the Lord work and do a work in their life. I'm glad someone told me didn't grow up in church, man, I'm, I'm glad someone told me about how I can have hope in a hopeless place. And we're called to do that to us.